0: If you would, take your Bible this morning and turn to 1 John chapter 3 once again. 1 John chapter 3. Excuse me. 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 10. I'm going to read down through verse 18. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth his not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So the title of the message this morning is Manifesting Our Relationship with God. Taken there from verse 10. Manifesting Our Relationship with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word, the privilege we have to open it. And to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Help us to rightly divide thy truth. Help us to make application to our lives for our good and for thy glory. And Lord, we pray that we allow you to search our hearts by your spirit this morning. And Father, we pray that we'd be honest with ourselves. And Lord, if there's not any in our midst who do not have the love of God abiding in their hearts through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, pray that the Spirit of God would rest their hearts in conviction and repentance, we pray. And I pray that you just encourage us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. When two people have a relationship, it manifests itself by certain things. They spend time together. They sacrifice for each other. They are kind and considerate of one another. And look for ways to make the relationship better. Strive to please one another. That is, if it's a relationship of love. It's not driven by something that I have to do. It's something that I want to do. As we consider this passage of Scripture this morning, the Lord here gives us two things that I call them twins. they're identical twins if you if you want to call it that way. and so as we look at this morning i have I have three main points and then some subpoints uh, first of all, uh the duplicate practice so there's two things duplicate. The directive put forth, and then there's the perceived application. But anyway, as we consider this morning, first of all, the duplicate practice in verse 10 says, In this, the children of God are manifest, or they're revealed, or they demonstrate that they are the children of God. And the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. So that we could also say, whosoever does righteousness is of God. The opposite is also true. And then it says, neither, or add to that, or along with that goes, he that loveth not his brother. Again, loveth not his brother is talking about the child of the devil. That is manifest in the person's life because they don't love their brother or others. But the opposite is true also. The word neither here means also or likewise or as well as. It marks something which follows of necessity from what has been previously said. So, therefore, if, if you are a child of God, righteousness will be manifested in your life by loving one another. That's really what it's saying. So, there's really two things. You know... Doing righteousness, or he that doeth righteousness, and loving your brother, which is doing right. These are earmarks, you might say, that demonstrate true Bible Christianity. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to do righteousness? Well, of course, it refers to one who, who because they have been saved through repentance and faith in Christ... And having therefore the life of God in them by the witness of the Holy Spirit, they are diligent and directed by the Spirit of God to live to please God by obedience to His Word. That's what it means to do righteous. We're not talking here about what Jesus did for me. We're talking about the practice of my life. There ought to be a diligent effort and a directive by the Spirit of God who dwells within. If we are saved, there ought to be a directive from within, from the Spirit of God, to direct us to do that which pleases God. To keep His commandments. To obey Him. It ought to be automatic. I've said that if a person who's saved is spending time with the Lord, the changes in their life will, be, will, will become automatic. Because God starts to work out what they're working in. If you're putting the Word of God in your heart, I mean, you're you're sincere in, in it, and you just have this desire given to you by the Spirit of God that dwells within it, God's going to start changing your life. It's going to start working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because you're going to read the Bible... And you're going to fear or you're going to tremble at his word, as Isaiah says, he that trembleth at my word. You know, we need to tremble at his word. So we need to fear his word. In other words, we need to take it at heart and believe it. And endeavor to put it into practice by the direction of the Spirit of God. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says this. As newborns babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So if you've tasted the Lord is gracious, you're going to have a desire for the milk of the word. On the farm, when a new calf was born, as soon as the mother was milked, we would put that Warm some of that warm milk in a bottle, and take it to give it to the calf. Now the calf knew it wasn't mama, and it was not interested until you gave it a little taste of what was in the bottle. Then all of a sudden, it was on. You know, it, it wanted it, it desired it, and. You know, and very soon it learned that when it saw a bottle coming, it was Mama's milk coming and it was on. You know, there was a desire there. And so when a person is born again and has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, in them, as the Bible tells us, in the heart, there will be a desire to live, to please God, to please the life that dwells within. Because the Bible says that Christ, who is our life, He dwells in us by His Spirit. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and verses 21 to 24, the Bible says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Do you want to really know God? Keep his commandments. And the more his commandments you keep, the more he's going to reveal himself to you. The more you're going to learn of him. Judas saith unto him, verse 22, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it thou manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. See, the, the world doesn't have God manifest to them because they don't value his word. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, And the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So if a person loves God, has the life of God in them, it will be demonstrated in their life by a conduct that is governed by his word. Governed and directed by his word. In John 5... Verses thirty seven through forty. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and talking about the witnesses to him, to his person, to who he is, the, the Christ of God. And he says in verse thirty seven, The Father himself who hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. He says, search the Scriptures. See, the Scriptures declare Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah of God. And so the, the Scriptures declare the person of Christ. They declare the mind or the thinking processes of Christ and of God therefore if we are Christ and if he is our life we ought to be diligent in gaining knowledge of him that we might obey him I mean it's a no brainer if you want to learn about something what do you do you study it study it and if this is true The first commandment of his is to love one another. You see, these two things are linked together. Doing righteous and loving one another. They're linked together. If you're not loving others, you're not doing right. Simple as that. Again, the word neither in verse 10. So, and he is, and of course, Christ, he is the author of this kind of love. Look at John 13 and verse 34. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples as... uh, if you have love one to another, look at John 15 verse 12. This is my commandment, that my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And in chapter 17 verse 26 again he says, and I have declared unto them. He's pray. This is his prayer to the Father in the garden. And I have declared unto them Thy name, and will declare it. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And so we see here this duplicate practice. This is this but by, by the way, this is taught also in other places in first uh, Thessalonians chapter four, for example, in verses seven through ten. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but to holiness. So that's doing what is right. That's righteous conduct. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who also hath given unto us his Holy Spirit, but as touching brotherly love, ye not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So we see here in 1 John 3, this duplicate practice of doing what is right and loving one another. They go hand in hand. They're, they're inseparable. The second thing we see is the directive that's put forth. And this is in verses 11 through 15. And, and we're going to notice several things here. First of all, as we consider this directive, there's a declared precept. In verse 11, it says this, For this is the message, that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, the word message means, this is the announcement, this is the precept declared. So, it's a command or a directive given as a rule of action or conduct. So, this is a a rule of action for a child of God. It's like a law or a warrant. That ought to arrest us. That is, it ought to to catch hold of us. It ought to seize us. It should be something that that we lay hold of and do not let go because we are a child of God. And God is love. So this is the message. This is the law. It's something we are to be known by. That's what Jesus said in John 13. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. One to another. So, uh, this, we ought to be known by this, of doing what is right and loving one another. And this is our message, our message given to us by our Lord. You know, you think about these two things. John 1 tells us God is light. Starts out with God is light, in him is no darkness at all. John 1, verse John 1, verse 5 and 6. That's the message. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Therefore, if you want a relationship with him, you must be made righteous. You must be made right through Jesus Christ. And the second is that God is love. So, and he has given us a message of love that we are commanded to live and to, by the way, living it is doing right, giving it is loving one another. Giving out the message. And we have here a documented example. How do you like my alliteration here this morning? A documented example. It's going to fall apart at the end. But anyway, I did okay for a while. Verse 12. Here's the documented example. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. So we have contrasted examples here. Of one who loved God and one who did not. And, and let's, let's go to the Old Testament to, to, to look at this a little bit. Go to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. Where we have the account of Cain and Abel. And of course, you know, in the first few verses, first seven verses, you know, we have Abel bringing his offering of a lamb and the fat thereof, and and Cain bringing his offering, the fruit of the ground, and and God had respect unto Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's because it was the works of his hands. It was not a substitute for his sin. There was no bloodshed. And so it, it was not an acceptable sacrifice. And, of course, the Lord talked with Cain. And then in verse 8 it says in this, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel's brother and slew him. Now, I want you to draw your attention to that words, and it came to pass. So Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Now, some of you may think I'm going out of limb here. But what I think that means is, Cain didn't kill Abel immediately after. They offered their offerings. No, some time passed. I believe that as Cain and Abel were out working, they were having this discussion about the right way to approach God. And Abel was trying to reason with Cain and say, Cain, look, what you brought was the works of your own hands. It represents your own efforts, your own righteousness. If you would bring what God asks, what God requests, that demonstrates that you need a substitute to die for your sin, God will accept you. And so you can see them. That, you know, this, this. Is, I, I believe this is happening over a process of time. And, and Abel continues and, and you know, to talk with Cain, and Cain argues, and to, till Cain gets so angry and so mad. He kills him Let's try and silence him. But did he silence the voice of God? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. Or God declaring that what he brought. Was right. Was pleasing. Was acceptable. And by it. He being dead. Yet. Speaketh. And the interesting thing is that word. Yet speaketh. It means. Of a thing which continues at present. Even. Now. You The enemy may think he's going to shut you and I up, but that witness is going to continue, and it's going to continue forever. Cain is in hell today, and I'll guarantee you Cain is still hearing his brother Abel reasoning with him. You know, did Abel hate his brother by talking to him about bringing the right offering? Was that hateful? Was that hate speech? When Jesus revealed the sin and unbelief of the Pharisees, was he being hateful? Yet, Pharisees thought so. Evidently, Cain thought so. And we live in a world that many think so. You know, Abel here is an example of one who loved his brother. One who cared for his soul. Psalm 142 verse 4 says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. In Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, it says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. You see, if we are children of God and we love God, we ought to be as able and have love for our brethren and be willing to talk to them and, and demonstrate that love by, by reasoning with them of their need of a right way to a relationship with God. You know there may be someone listening today without the love of God in your heart. I pray you would hear His voice, call upon His name, that He might be merciful, and you would receive a part. See, we see here. We see here, an example, of what it is to love a brother. But from some, there will be a discounted reaction. We notice in verse 13, Marvel not my brethren if the world hate you. Now there are people that would probably consider themselves consider themselves or consider me their enemy. But there's not anybody that I hate. There's things about people I hate. Lifestyles. You know, there's things about people I hate. But there isn't anybody that I hate. And we ought not to hate anyone. But there are going to be people that hate us. Even though we ought to be identified as people that love others and have a message of redemption uh, 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 to them... We're going to have people that hate us. He says, "Marvel not. Don't be one. Wan- don't wonder at this. Don't be amazed." This is really what that word "marvel not" means. They're going to hate you. There's some going to hate you. For example, Matthew fifteen thirty-one. Insomuch the multitude wondered. That's the word. When they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel, yet they hated him. They hated him. So here's an amazing thing. Marvel not, or don't be surprised if they hate you because of the message, the directive we've been given. That directive we've been given is to love one another, and then we show that love one another by trying to reason with them and, and show the love of God and, and caring for their souls. But don't be surprised if they hate you because of it. They're, they're like criminals that are condemned to death that rejects a pardon offered to them. No, I don't want anything from anyone. I don't need anyone's help. I'm okay the way I am. Just leave me alone. And yet, if they're refusing to repent, that is what they are doing. I don't know if any of you saw this, but in Florida, there's a Christian school that's being attacked. Um, the school administrator sent out an email with the school's position on human sexuality and somebody or somehow NBC got a hold of it and published it along with some added things. And of course the statement talks about they, they will not allow students, they won't accept or allow Students who are homosexual or transgenders or just plain immorality of any kind to continue in their school and so on and so forth. And so, um, you know, NBC did that and now they're getting the, the school uh, administrator has been threatened with the burning down of his house, uh, with the killing of his family and because of their biblical position on homosexuality. Which, by the way, isn't discriminatory discriminatory just against the LBGTQ because it forbids all sexual sin outside of marriage. So that would include heterosexual sin between two unmarried people. But it doesn't matter. You see, the world hates you. Don't be surprised. Expect that sometimes this is the reaction you're going to get. In fact, Jesus told his disciples this in John 15. You know, we should not be, and this is one of the things that you and I need to guard against when we're witnessing, demonstrating God's love to somebody else, is don't be offended when it happens, because it's going to happen. It isn't us that's really the problem. See him. See him. John 16, uh, he says this. John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue, Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. So it isn't really you that is the problem. If you didn't talk about the Lord, they'd have no problem with you. It's the Lord that they're really angry against. They're just going to take it out on you. And so we need to expect, at times, we need to expect this kind of response. John experienced this reaction in his life. Revelation 1.9 tells us that he was on the Isle of Patmos. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, he was banished because of preaching the gospel. And so we will get this have this discounted reaction that we can expect. But we ought not to take it offensively. Then the third thing I see here is a perceived application. In verses 16 through 18, we notice several things. Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God. The word perceive means to learn to know or come to know or get a knowledge of. So here is how the Bible tells us one is demonstrating the love of God by the example of the Son of God himself. He laid down his life for us. So, you know, we heard about Sunday school class this morning, you know, about Haman, he was the most important person in his universe. That's self-love. That's called selfish. Um, So, as we look at this here in verse 16, notice several things. First of all, love does not, or love is willing to sacrifice. It'll be willing to sacrifice. Notice in verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because So here's how we know God is loved. Because he laid down his life for us. See, God proved he loved us because he gave his life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God proved, and this is how we know, this is how we perceive it, is because God laid down his life for us. And then it says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, Abel was willing to risk his life to try and bring the soul of Cain to his heavenly father. You know, that William's grandson-in-law laid down his life to take the gospel To the people of Cameroon. Africa. In the process of taking the gospel there. He was murdered. He gave his life. He gave up. The things of this world. To take the gospel. And really in a real sense. His wife. And his children. Have sacrificed. Their lives. You see, we demonstrate the love of God when we're willing to sacrifice our own life for others. You see, love doesn't talk about how much how much it doesn't talk about how much I sacrifice for you or state how important my sacrifices are or talk about how much I do for you. They just do what is right. You know, a man that loves the Lord does not try to impress everyone by telling them what he does for the Lord. Telling everyone what he does for the Lord. A man that loves his wife and children doesn't consider, not consider his own sacrifice for them and boast about it to others. He doesn't even think about it. Why? Because it's something that comes from the heart. Love is kind, considerate of others. Sacrifices for the needs of others know, Abel, again, was concerned for his brother and he was willing to risk himself for his soul. So here's how we perceive. He says, willing to sacrifice. Secondly, love is willing to help others with their own resources. This, this is, again, how we perceive. Verse 17, Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him How dwelleth the love of God in him? So, again, the word seeth really means to ascertain or to find out. So if you see or you find out your brother has need, and then it says, and you have the means to meet that need, and you shut up. Nah, I'm not giving myself to help. And it says, okay, so how dwells the love of God in you? You know, Paul saw a need in Athens, it says when he saw the whole city given to idolatry, in other words, he perceived it, and so he acted out of love for them, endeavoring to give them the gospel. But we're talking here about needs, physical things. you know in acts four, we have examples of this, there were some. The main one that's spoken of is Barnabas, but there were others who had possessions and saw there was some need in the early church, so they sold. Some of them sold some of their possessions, or some of them just brought of of what they had, and they brought it to the apostles, who distributed it to the, to those in need. But of course, saw Barnabas he sold land and brought the price of the land and laid it down at the apostles' feet, and they gave distribute to those in need. And this was this was common. This is. And, and this is what he's saying here. Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need. So we could say, Barnabas saw, has the world's good. He saw his brother had a need, and he opened his heart, sold his land, and gave it to his brother. As he needed. And he said, so this is, this is another way we perceive the love of God. The third thing we see here is love does not give to get a reward. Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, love does not give to get something in return or to earn some favor. You know, Barnabas... Just brought the money to the apostles. And then he went about serving the Lord. You know, everybody, you know, we don't find anywhere where he like came and said, you know, I thank God I'm a righteous man. Or like the Pharisee. But you know what? Others said it about him. They said, he's a just and a good man. And encouraged the brethren. He just went about serving the Lord. You know, he had the land, he sold it, and he gave it to the apostles to give to those in need, and then he went about serving the Lord. Went down to Antioch and strengthened the disciples and established that church, and then later on, he and Paul were sent on the first missionary journey. He just... You know, he didn't he wasn't crying about, hey, do you all know that I sold my farm and I gave it to the apostles at Jerusalem? So just you know, you ought to be aware of that and you ought to honor me and No. First you know, Corinthians thirteen five says, Charity seeketh not her own. You know, Abel was not seeking his own benefit by reasoning with Cain. It wasn't for his benefit, it was for Cain's benefit. It was for Cain's benefit. You know, in Philippians two nineteen to twenty one, the Bible says this But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like minded who will naturally care for your state for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ you know what the natural thing is for for man the natural thing for man is to seek their own But here's Timothy, and the Lord, through Apostle Paul, is speaking about Timothy, his son in the faith. And he said, Timothy will naturally care for your state because he has the love of God dwelling in him. You see, if we have the love of God dwelling in us by his Holy Spirit, it ought to be automatic for us to love others, to care for others, to be considerate of others. You see, it is becoming or it is fitting of a child of God to demonstrate the love of God to those around us. In fact, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we're to walk in love. it's fitting, it's becoming a child of God. Again, John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. You have love one for another. See, love is not demonstrated by word. He says, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. You know, some people use the Bible to excuse themselves. You remember that Jacob and Rebecca and Jacob come up with a scheme to deceive Isaac, and then Isaac asked Jacob, "How'd you get it so soon?" You remember what Jacob said? "The Lord brought it to me." You know, of course, the Israelites they build high places. And they said that they worshipped God in the high places. However, the high places wasn't where God was supposed to be worshipped. You know, David endeavored to honor the Lord by moving the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, to its rightful place, on a cart. Now, a new cart, of course. Yeah, a new cart, a brand new cart. That makes it okay, right? I mean, it wasn't cheaply done. It was a high-valued cart. But it was still wrong. You know, anybody can quote Scripture or use it to their own advantage. No, it's not in word. It's not what we... Nor is it in in tongue, and that word tongue there means... um, With empty words coming out of our mouth which are not followed up with practice. You can say anything. I've learned after 40 40 years in ministry that you just don't take people's word at face value when they walk in the door. You prove them. In fact, the Bible says to do that deacons are for be first be proved before i give anybody a position in the church of any kind they have to first be proved proved you can say anything no word of love indeed that word deed means a thing any act thing or deed done in which which one is occupied and then the word truth in truth means universally, so what is true in any matter under consideration. So if we're going to love indeed and in truth, it's going to be uh, whatever we're occupied in in every circumstance. That's what it means to love, indeed, and in truth. It's not just the words; it's the actions; it's the attitudes. These are the things that will be manifest in the life of a child of God. In fact, he says, "...in this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother." So we could say, if a person's lifestyle is they do not right and they do not love others, they're, they're, they're a child of the devil. And we could say the other side, a person that does righteousness, a person that demonstrates the love of God to others, they are a child of God. They're manifesting it to a lost and dying world and to those around them. So the question is this morning is your love for the Lord real? Is it genuine? You know, it's not enough just to be sincere. The Jews were sincere. If you want a test of sincerity, join uh, a radical Islam. They're sincere. They're serious. You know, God wants us to be sincere. But he also requires us to walk in truth. It has to be right. Because you can be sincere and wrong. The Jews had a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So is your love for the Lord genuine? And if it is, how is it being demonstrated? You know, We, de- we, we demonstrate our love for God by doing what is right, obeying his commandments. And part of that commandment is loving those that are around us, those we meet. Demonstrating that love to them. Telling them of the love of God and and telling them. It's not just witnessing, but demonstrating with acts of kindness and love. So is your love, is your love for the Lord being manifested in your life?